everyone, and thanks for joining us for episode one of our podcast. We've made a few changes to the show in the week since our initial episode, including a name change. So first of all, I'm Alexis, one of the hosts, and here with me today is my co-host, Miles. Hey, yeah, like Alexis said, I'm Miles, and we're excited to be here. Um, but first things first, the name change. Yes, right. So our initial name for the podcast was Talking Climate with GCV. But after a little bit more thought, we decided that was pretty mundane. And we wanted to make sure we had a name that was easier to stick out and remember. Which is why we decided to change it to Greater Greener Georgia. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, for this episode, we're going to be talking about um, a couple different issues. Um, the Keystone Pipeline, the State House Special Election Runoff, along with a few other important updates from the last week here in Georgia and around the country. And as always, we will keep it quick so that you can get on with your day. So we're going to start with talking about the Keystone XL Pipeline. All right. So can you give me a little bit of background on this project? Yeah, totally. Um, this project's been a huge issue since its proposal in 2010. Um, it's a proposed $8 billion pipe system that was set to run from Alberta, Canada, all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico, with a huge portion of the pipeline cutting through indigenous land, specifically land belonging to the Ponca Nation. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, and $8 billion to just destroy indigenous land seems not great. Yeah, exactly. So for years, a group of indigenous tribes, ranchers, and local environmentalists demonstrated, lobbied, and sued to halt the pipeline's construction, um, doing like super cool stuff like chaining themselves to tools and equipment. Um, its proposed route in Nebraska also cuts through the Ogala Aquifer, the groundwater source for millions of Plain State's residents. Um, and as usual, the rights, thoughts, and opinions of these folks are never considered. The project basically just wanted to take the most direct route from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico, no matter the cost. Back in 2015, President Obama blocked the extension of the pipeline, though that was quickly reversed during the Trump administration. Okay, so jump to now. What's the status of the project today? Yeah, well, after nearly 10 years of political activism, standoffs, lobbying, President Biden officially revoked the cross-border presidential permit needed for construction, bringing the plans for the pipeline fully to an end. Wow. It really takes so much activism and work just to get the point across sometimes. It's mind-blowing. I know. And it's like... We could spend hours covering all the different facets of the story, but it's important thing is that it's a major critical win for environmental activists and organizations, and it shows the power of organizing and putting pressure on government officials can really achieve something great, um, which if we have a second. Yeah, totally. Um, I just got an article today from a coworker from The Guardian um, talking about another pipeline called the Line 3 Pipeline which is very similar to the XL pipeline that Biden has yet to take any action on. Basically the same background, a new proposed pipeline running through indigenous land, through wetlands and freshwater points. As of last week, around 200 people have been arrested while protesting the site. It's just so crazy that literally months after one project is finally stopped, after 10 years, we see another project happening. So when are they gonna learn that we don't want these pipelines? Yeah, that is disappointing, but not surprising. Next up, let's get a little more local and talk about the State House special elections. In short, two State House representatives resigned recently, leaving their seats open and causing a special election to happen on June 15th. 
Both races had multiple candidates running, none of whom reached the 50% threshold of votes to actually win their elections. It's an old Georgia law called 50 plus one. If no candidate gets 50% of the total vote plus one more additional vote, a runoff election has to take place between the two candidates that got the most votes in all. Kind of confusing, but it's the same rule that caused the Senate runoff to happen in January. Yeah, that is a lot. Um, so that's not how it works in every state's elections? No, there's only a few states that work like that. I know Georgia and Louisiana are like that. Um, in most states, the candidate who just gets the most votes just wins their election, but not in Georgia. We love to make it complicated here. <laughs> yeah, we really do. So anyway, Georgia State House Districts 34 and 156 both had seats to fill and too many people wanting to fill them. So that's why there's a runoff for this special election coming up on July 13th. Uh, so while House District 156 tends to lean more conservative with their runoff election happening between two Republicans, on the other hand, the runoff for House District 34 is super contentious and polarizing between Democrats and Republicans, so we're going to be focusing more of our attention there. It sounds like it's a lot going on. It's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, it already has been. Democrat Priscilla Smith is facing off against Republican Devin Sebaugh, and lots of experts are looking to this race as an early predictor of how the 2021 municipal elections and the 2022 midterm elections will turn out in the suburbs of Atlanta. This seat represents part of Cobb County, which is a historically Republican area that just turned blue in favor of Biden, Ossoff, and Warnock last year. Priscilla ran for the seat back in November and very narrowly lost, so it's no surprise that she stepped back up to the plate to run again when the seat became vacant. There you go. That's dedication right there. On the other hand, Devin Seba has a background in the healthcare industry and has never run for office before, but his lead with 47% of the vote in last week's special election could be foreshadowing a win for him next month. <laughs> Wasn't his son on The Voice? <laughs> yeah, he was. He didn't win, though, so we'll see if that runs in the family. <laughs> I guess we'll see next month. <laughs> yes, we definitely will. And so to get more information on their election, I reached out to both of the candidates for a brief conversation about why they're running, what environmental issues they feel are the most pressing for Georgians today, and what they hope to bring to their community of, the House, of House District 34. They're both incredibly busy people, as you can imagine, but I was able to get a hold of Priscilla for a quick conversation, and here's what she had to say. I have a lot of familiarity with state politics. I've spent a lot of time at the Capitol. Decided that I would challenge the incumbent Republican. Right now, the most important issue facing us policy-wise is the interruption of our ability to vote is free and fair elections. And if we don't have free and fair elections, effectuating any kind of change or protection for the environment is going to go by the way. There are a number of issues facing protecting the environment that we need to be attentive to. We need to hold Georgia Power uh, and the Southern Company accountable. Um, they ride roughshod over the electorate, over consumers in Georgia on any one of a number of different accounts. Unlined ash pits along the banks of the Chattahoochee River. The fact that we are paying for the boondoggle that is Plant Vogel when shareholders of the Southern Company are making money hand over fist. The way that the Public Service Commission um, is so um, disproportionately populated by people working for uh, big manufacturing and George Power and are doing so little to um, protect the environment, to protect consumers, to make it so that we're not holding the bag for all of these expensive things and also that we're not offering the kinds of protections that need to be offered. 
I think we are developing a more progressive electorate. And I think that's why the people sitting in the state house right now are working so hard to suppress the vote. You know, when you become a candidate or when you're considering it, they say, well, what's your what's your number one issue? It's like, well, there's not how is <laughs> not. one more important than the other? How is education more important than healthcare or healthcare more important than the environment or the environment? All of it's important. You can learn more about her platform at PriscillaForGeorgia.com, and you can check out Devin's platform at VoteCBaw.com. If you live in House District 34 or 156, make sure to get out and vote on or before July 13th. You can double-check your voter registration, early voting dates, and where to go vote on the Secretary of State's website, which is mvp.sos.ga.gov. Cool. So now to close out the first episode... We're going to give a few more quick updates on what's been going on the last week in Georgia and around the country. First, if you didn't already know, the redistricting process is underway. Every 10 years, state legislators meet to redraw districts based on new census data. It can be a pretty messy process, which is why we encourage you to speak up and make sure we are represented fairly for the next decade. There are a lot of public hearings coming up that you can listen to and participate in. Um, just check out fairdistrictga.org for the latest information. Next up, the Atlanta forest that you may know by the name Prison Farm. Atlanta police and Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms have proposed turning about half of the forest's acres into a massive training facility for Atlanta police, including shooting ranges, explosion testing, a road course to practice car chases, you get the picture, and it is not pretty. The good news is that last week, due to overwhelming opposition on this project from the public, Atlanta City Council's Finance Committee voted unanimously to delay a decision on whether or not to approve this facility, which at least gives us all a little bit more time to make our voices heard to save this green space. Uh, you can check out Defend Atlanta Forest on Instagram to keep up with this fight and make your voice heard. On the topic of saving our green spaces, we want to give a quick shout out to our beloved Georgia Congresswoman, Nikema Williams, for introducing the WISE Act. WISE stands for Water Infrastructure Sustainability and Efficiency. This legislation will set aside 20% of the Clean Water State Revolving Fund for environmentally friendly and climate resilient water infrastructure projects. As Williams herself says, clean water is more than an environmental issue, it is a human and civil rights issue. And lastly, as you probably already know, Juneteenth was officially made a federal holiday last week. It's the first new federal holiday added to the calendar since MLK Day was created almost 40 years ago. The national recognition of Juneteenth is getting a bit of a mixed reaction from the people. While it's certainly not bad that it's an officially recognized holiday, many people think the move seems a bit too symbolic in wake of actual tangible things our government could be doing to help out black Americans, like increasing the minimum wage, looking into reparations, passing the For the People Act. I don't know. There's a lot more that could have been done. A whole other podcast. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> anyway, that's everything we have. Thanks for listening to Greater Greener Georgia. We'll see you next time. Make sure to tune in anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. <laughs>